You're listening to the Health by Design podcast, and I'm your host, Roar Alexander, wellness architect and functional lifestylist. I spent nearly six years of my life on a journey through the ancient East to bring you the cutting-edge combination of modern Western health sciences blended with the time-proven ancient traditions, principles, and practices that have flourished through thousands of years across countless cultures, peoples, and nations. Join me and my many special guests from all corners of the globe as we aim to help you live stronger, longer, and better. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Health by Design vodcast and podcast. If you don't know, um, I put most of my episodes of Health by Design on YouTube. So quite often, whenever possible, I do try to film my segments live in person. However, you know, as it is, you know, being where I am quite often, I cannot do that. So quite a few of them are on Skype, yet I always make sure I do publish them on YouTube, whether or not it's actually sitting down with a person or sometimes it's just a, um, you know, sometimes it's just kind of the cover of the episode with the audio turned into a video format so you can watch it on YouTube. But I just wanted to let you guys know that, you know, if you're, you know, more into YouTube than you are into audio podcasts, you can always check it out there. Now saying that, uh, this episode was actually a live in-person episode. This was actually recorded quite a while ago. I, again, I apologize for not really um, sticking to the timetable of my podcast very well. I've been extremely busy. I am now um, running a new gym here actually in Vancouver, BC, Canada. So I'm running a gym called Combat Club Fitness currently. Uh, Great gym has allowed me to come and set up kind of everything I want to do. So I really got into the lifestyle coaching there. And it's nice to have kind of a firm place that has all the equipment I need to really run my programs. Um, I've also been, of course, you know, running around in Asia. I just recently got back, actually about two weeks ago, had a completely sold out strength and conditioning course in the Philippines. That was awesome. Even had um, the Philippines Air Force actually send a group there as well, um, some officers to come down there and check that out to bring us some stuff back to their base. So that was a lot of fun. Had about 40 people show up for that. On top of that, also did some other courses the days before that. Um, but that one had, I think, literally 37 people in it. It was an over-sellout, so much so that I had to bring in my friend, another Canadian coach named Murray Sogan, who has opened an amazing CrossFit gym in Thailand, um, where he does some really unique CrossFit programming. He came over to help me do that. But anyways, uh, again, I just wanted to apologize for not getting uh, you know my the podcast going. I am trying my best to really make sure that I do get it going as much as I can. Uh, I'm going to try to make sure that at least I'm I'm going to try to get out an episode every two weeks. That's my goal right now. Um, you know, when I first brought out the podcast, the goal was to bring it out every single week. Actually, originally it started off, I think, as once a month. And then I decided, you know, 12 episodes didn't seem like enough for a whole year because there's so many great things to talk about when it comes to health and fitness. So then I tried to go into every week. But then to be honest, when you're doing this all on your own on top of everything else, and if you do pay attention, if you focus on... Um, I shouldn't say focus, but I guess if you follow me at all on YouTube and Instagram, um, I do have my uh, child, Damon, living here with me now as well. Um, his mom's still over in Thailand. We're getting her visa put together. It's taken over a year to get that done. Um, don't even want to get going there because that just goes down a rabbit hole of negativity. So let's avoid that. Um, but anyways, it looks like she's coming over here pretty soon. So, uh, you know, I can imagine, you know, having Damon here. Um, you know, thankfully, my mom's been helping me a lot. 
but you know between uh, you know moving back to Canada after about six and a half years almost seven years uh, pretty much in Asia um, you know getting the podcast going running this new gym having a YouTube channel I also edit all the videos for that uh, on top of you know my own training and just you know making sure I try to balance that work life balance you know uh, it's been quite hectic um, but anyways Long story short, I am back and I have an amazing episode for you. Now, like I said, I actually filmed this a while ago, but uh, the information on it is pretty much evergreen. This is really relevant information. And this is an interview with Dr. Martin Paul. He is probably the foremost person when it comes to information on EMFs uh, and all that sort of electromagnetic frequency, electromagnetic radio technology, and how it affects our health. Um, it was super awesome. Um, he was actually doing a tour through BC. He came up here to do a bunch of talks in different cities and uh, connected with them. And they actually hooked me up so I could go interview him one-on-one -on -one in person in Horseshoe Bay. Um, even his friend lent us his house so we could record the video in silence. Originally, we were going to do it in a coffee shop. Honestly, thank God we did not have to do it in a coffee shop because that would just not come out very well. Um, particularly, you know, when you're trying to put this into an audio format. So this is a great episode, guys. We sat down for, I think, the better part of an hour. Uh, lots of information here. I really hope you guys enjoy this. And I really hope at the end of this, you start start to say, hey, you know what, there probably is, you know, quite a bit, I don't want to say there's a little something, there probably is quite a bit of something to all these electrical magnetic fields around us, all this EMF, this 5G that's coming. Uh, and I really hope that, you know, even though it's invisible and you can't see it, that you do know that it is affecting you. Um, and I really hope at the end, if anything, you just go and you do a little bit of research on this myself and you're just a little more cautious, particularly if you have kids, we do talk a little bit about kids. Um, you know, you can also go watch my video with Jason Mazik from No Talk City. That's uh, notalks.city. And when he came over to my house and he did a full kind of EMF scan on my house. Um, I'm also teaming up with Jason to do some really great lifestyle consulting stuff that's going to be coming up in the next few months. Where it's going to combine uh, some nutrition from our nutritionist, plus the fitness, plus the lifestyle habits, plus the EMF stuff and all the mitigation. Um, so if you don't really know a lot about this stuff, you want to learn more about it. And you're kind of saying, you know, is there anything to all this EMF, all this invisible things I can't see? Could it be affecting my health? I hope at the end of this uh, episode... With Dr. Martin Paul that you're going to see that yes there probably is and it is something that you should probably can be concerned about particularly and particularly if you have small children so really hope you guys enjoy this episode and I promise I'm going to do my best to you know keep coming back to you and bringing you guys more and more episodes and trying to stay on with that every two weeks I do have some great podcasts I honestly during the summer I actually recorded two or three really good podcasts with special guests I just haven't got around to yet but I really wanted to it's been bothering me. I really wanted to sit down and get this one done. So hope you guys enjoy it with Dr. Martin Paul. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Health by Design. As I said earlier, I am here with Dr. Martin Paul, a professor from, well, retired professor from University of Washington. Washington State. Washington State University. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So why don't I let you introduce yourself really quickly, doctor, uh, just let people know who you are and some of the work you've published. And then today okay. we're going to be talking about all about EMFs. Okay. Well, I, you know, I've published in, in a large number of different areas, and I only got involved in EMFs uh, quite recently. Published my first paper on it, on it in 2013, which was all about what the mechanism, what the central mechanism is, or at least the most important mechanism by which uh, 
these uh, these EMFs produce what are called non-thermal effects, effects that don't have anything to do with heating. Okay. And uh, and that paper, by the way, has been highly cited uh, and recognized. It's been cited 225 times in the, according to Google Scholar database. Wow, that's a and lot of times. And I've given. 48 professional talks in 11 countries in, on this topic. So it's, it's generated a lot of activity in the scientific community. Well, there seems to be a lot more conversation about EMFs now, particularly with 5G coming up, which we'll get into. Yeah. I know there's been quite a few books recently. I know uh, Radiation Nation came out a couple of years ago back, I believe, and there's a new one, The Non-Tinfoil Hat Guide to EMFs. I know it's another one that just came out <laughs> recently, actually by somebody in Quebec. Yeah. Um, so, but you, you were saying you're on a talk, and that's actually why you're here today. I'm meeting you in Vancouver because you're actually finishing up some talks. Where have you been? Well, I've been, <clears throat> well, I, I gave a talk in South Surrey when I came in, and then, since then I've been on Salt Spring Island and Vancouver Island giving okay. talks, and uh, in several places. Mm -hmm. Uh, what five different places I think yeah. <laughs> I'm losing track here <laughs> yeah uh, <coughs> it's basically every Friday Saturday and Sunday night for the most part isn't it no more than that because yeah. uh, you know I, I um, I've talked each of the last three days so mm -hmm. yeah yeah mm -hmm. well very good <clears throat> so what I want to talk about today is like I said the the topic of EMFs is coming up a lot more lately it seems um, just in health circles yeah. And there's also the talk about the new 5G, uh, which is coming out. I don't believe they've launched. Have they launched it anywhere yet, or is it still something that's... It depends on how you define it. They okay. certainly claim to have launched it. Like, for, Well, I guess the first claim of a launch was in Korea, is my understanding. Oh, okay. And that was, uh, I don't know, some quite a long, you know, something like eight months ago or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that the same 5G where they've put up the little um, little router thingies everywhere all over the city now? I don't, I mean, I, I don't know what they've no. done there exactly, but it's certainly, you know, it, uh, I mean, there are quite a number of countries that seem to have plans to put these things all over the place mm -hmm. in such a way that it will make it essentially impossible for us to avoid the radiation, and that's something that's of very great concern. Now let's, let's talk <coughs> about that. Why is it a great concern? Because, you know, I'll talk to people quite often, you know, we know, we know we need to exercise, we know we need to well, you know, eat fish oils, get omega-3s. Yeah. But when you, some reason you start talking about EMFs, I guess because they're not tangible, you can't see them, you know, they're, they're invisible to the eye. People just ignore them. People don't seem to think they're a big deal. But why do you think they're a big deal? Well, I think they're a big deal <clears throat> because we know they're already having major impacts on our bodies. That is the EMS we already we're already exposed to. So, for example, <clears throat> there are seventeen published studies on people living near cell phone towers, and okay. every single one of them argues that there are important effects on those people. And typically, people who live within 300 meters of a cell phone tower, which is a lot of people, mm -hmm. are impacted. And the, the latest review on this uh, states that people living within 400 meters of a cell phone tower, there is a remarkable increase in cancer. Hmm. And let me just say, cancer is down around number six on my list of concerns here, 
Yeah, that's not that's not my top six. concern. Yeah, <laughs> right. and uh, but but you know obviously cancer is is not a minor issue, mm-hmm. and uh, and yet that's you know that's uh, you know there's a lot of evidence on on cancer. Um, there, I believe, thirty eight or thirty nine reviews that each have argued that EMFs cause, cause cancer, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the only reason why why this is a matter of controversy is basically because the industry makes it a, a matter of controversy. <clears throat> the scientific evidence, I think, is very clear. Hmm. So let me ask you this. So I get it that maybe beside like a, a cell tower, you know, I'm imagining the signal is quite strong. But, you know, a lot of the concern is about the Wi-Fi, say, the signals just coming from like your phone or your mm-hmm. laptop, stuff like that. Do, mm-hmm. do those signals actually, are they strong enough to pose? Like I get beside a tower. I don't want to be beside a tower. Mm-hmm. But does having a cell phone in my pocket make a difference? Yeah, it does. Okay. And, and cell phones have impacts on, 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 uh, on human health. Uh, you know, um, Demetrius Panagopoulos had a review on genuine cell phone radiation. He looked at 48 different studies on genuine cell phone radiation. 46 of them showed effects. Um, so there are effects, and there are effects, uh, for example, um, there are effects of cell phone radiation on human sperm. Hmm. And where uh, you, you can take, and you can do experimental studies on this, you can take a, a human um, sperm sample, split it into two, irradiate one half of it with cell phone radiation or Wi-Fi radiation, and you get uh, you get uh, effects on the DNA, you get lowered uh, lowered motility, mm-hmm. you also get <coughs> increases in in uh, programmed cell death in in the uh, in the sperm. So these have real effects on human fertility. Uh, they may also have major effects on on whether mutations are produced because mm-hmm. of the DNA effects. So these things are, are, are well documented, they've been studied, and as I said before, they can be studied experimentally and have been studied experimentally hmm. from uh, both, uh, both cell phone radiation and Wi-Fi radiation. They both have effects. So, uh, you know, it's, um, and there are many, uh, you know, there are many, many studies uh, of various sorts that have shown other effects. I'm particularly concerned about the effects on on the uh, on the nervous system, including the brain, uh, I'm very much concerned about the reproductive effects of EMFs, and uh, and uh, I'm also becoming more and more concerned about the cardiac effects, which uh, which in the case of 5G are probably ex- extremely serious. Um, I hadn't been that concerned before, but we're starting to get reports of things. That have raised my concern about it, about the cardiac effects. So there are lots of things going on. There are hormonal effects. There are, there are effects on the immune system, um, and uh, they you get increases in oxidative stress, which is involved in essentially all chronic diseases in humans, and. Uh, so, you know, there, there are lots of things going the on. The list seems to go on quite a bit. Yeah. So now you had said six was down your list. So let's talk about then your list then. How many, how many things, if you, if you know six is a fact that cancer is number six, Cares do you have it well, one to ten or do you have a one to uh, six? Well, I do. I, there, okay, so there, there are actually um, several 
brain-related things, which are high on my list. Uh, the most important is that we get, or, or the most documented, and this has been extensively documented, uh, is that there are uh, neurological and neuropsychiatric effects of EMF exposures, and a variety of different types of EMF exposures uh, show these. Um, I wrote a review on that in 2016, but there are many other reviews that have also been written mm -hmm. that find a similar list of effects to the ones that I found. So, you know, the, the things, you know, so we have these, these kinds of findings where I can't sleep, I'm tired all the time, I'm depressed, uh, I can't concentrate, you know, I've got, got memory dysfunction, uh, I've got headaches, um, yeah, anxiety. You know, all the things that people complain about mm -hmm. all the time, we know are caused by EMF exposures, including many EMF exposures that we're exposed to all the time. And coincidentally, it seems, because like, I, I know a friend of mine, he posted um, a, a um, picture recently, and that seems to be the top problems with millennials right now. Oh, yeah. Everything you just described, and yet mm -hmm. they're also the ones that tend mm -hmm. to be the most wired. Yeah. So do you see a correlation there, I suppose? Well, that's... You know, you know when you do the science, of course, you have to look very carefully at what's what things are really causing what, mm -hmm. and, and so. But yeah, I mean, you know, it is worth looking at those kinds of things because they suggest um, you know, they suggest causal a causal role. But of course, you have to look in other things when you actually, mm -hmm. in terms of documenting the causal role, and uh, so. Uh, yeah, all, all these things are important. So neurological is probably said near your top. Neurological, neuropsychiatric, and, and those, by the way, uh, as best we can determine, are cumulative effects. That is, they become more and more severe with time of exposure to a particular type and intensity of, of, of EMF. So, so, you know, it's not just you get an effect and that's all that happens, mm -hmm. but rather these things tend to to get more and more severe with time. And as they become more severe, they become apparently ir irreversible. Mm -hmm. So one of my real concerns, and it's a deep concern, is that all the industry propaganda on this stuff is making it much more difficult for people to avoid these exposures. Uh, and, uh, and as a consequence of that, uh, that many, many people are becoming irreversibly and severely affected. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a huge concern, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, fertility, let's get back to that, because it's, okay. it's, it's interesting that we bring it up, because, okay. you know, I like to follow, obviously, one of my jobs is to follow health and wellness trends, mm -hmm. and one of the trends that seems to be going up quite a bit is on infertility. There seems to be more problems with fertility problems now with couples than there's right. ever been before, but there's, you know, you always hear there's different reasons. One of the big, one of the big things people say a lot, you'll hear the... People talking about endocrine disruptors and xenoestrogens in the environment, messing mm -hmm. up estrogen yeah. levels. Mm -hmm. But you're saying that EMFs, you believe, could have a very potential role with that too? I think, no, I think it's not potential, it's actual. Actually, it's, okay. it's, been, it's been demonstrated. You can show, you can show these effects in, uh, in animals and in humans. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously it's easier to study them in animals. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, you can show that in, in, in animals, and these are usually rodents, uh, that EMF exposure is well within our safety guidelines, uh, produce changes in the structure of the testis, changes in the structure of the ovaries, 
Uh, and again, these things tend to be cumulative. That is, they start out relatively modest and they become more and more severe with time. Um, there, uh, the, the evidence in humans, I mean, you really can't study that in humans, but you can study effects on sperm count, you can, on sperm quality, sperm motility. Those are easy to study. Mm -hmm. um, the, the number of eggs in, in animals goes down as well. Uh, that again is harder to study in, in humans, but what is, is clearly going on in humans is each of the three types of sex hormones are low following EMF exposure. So you have lower estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, they all go down, and you also get lowered libido. So, and uh, you know, and, and the libido seems to be impacted, and again, by, by uh, a number of different types of EMF exposures. So, uh, so all those things, of course, will influence uh, human reproduction. Now you can ask, well, how far along are these things in our societies? And uh, what's true is there was a, uh, a uh, what's called a meta-analysis that was published by Levine et al. in late 2017, where they showed that, that uh, human sperm counts have dropped to below 50% of normal mm. in every single technologically advanced country on Earth. Uh, they, and what's also true, now that, that doesn't tell you for certain that the EMFs are mm. the main cause of this, but what is true is that we simply don't have any other plausible mechanism uh, that, that impacts this incredible breadth of different societies across mm -hmm. the world. And so I think, I think it's highly likely that the EMFs are the cause, but as I say, we have no, we have no proof on that. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, um, uh, you know, we, we know that, and there was a, a beautiful mouse study that was published that showed that uh, you could get a crash in reproduction to zero within about 90 days to 150 days, depending on the exact exposures. That uh, was with the three generations of mice? Or it wasn't generations. Was That's three what people, people have said. No, it, it's, it, is, it is three litters okay. or five litters. So a litter in mice takes about 30 days. Okay. So you can get a lot of litters very quickly. Yeah. And, and what they found was at, at the higher intensity uh, they had they, the, the mice produce one litter with decreased numbers. Mm -hmm. They produce a second litter with decreased numbers. No third litter. Hmm. Crash in reproduction to zero. You take them out of the EMFs, and they have almost no recovery. Really? So yeah. So the, these things are apparently pretty close to irreversible. Hmm. Um, so I've been asking, you know, are there any countries on Earth where we're starting to see crashes in reproduction? Mm -hmm. And interestingly, uh, there are three where I think there is substantial evidence, and they're all densely populated, high-technology East Asian countries. Really? Yes. So Singapore? Singapore is number one. Okay. Singapore had a 31% drop in reproduction between 2016 and 2017. So much for all that biophilic design. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Macau, which isn't really a separate country, but has separate statistics. Just, just off China, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, had a 26% drop in reproduction. Same mm -hmm. year as 2016-2017. South Korea had, had an 11% drop in reproduction. Hmm. Um, and the figures for the first 
six months of 2018 are now available, and they had another approximate nine percent drop. Hmm. So, you know, we're talking now. You know, you can say, well, okay, there's no proof that that's EMFs, but what's also clear, I think, is that we know the EMFs can do this in animals, and we know the EMFs have very substantial impacts in human reproduction, and. Uh, uh, so, you know, that's the obvious interpretation. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at a, a, an apparent crash in reproduction that's going to end up with extinction, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you don't just sit around and say, well, we're not going to worry about it until it happens. I mean, yeah. you know, this is something that simply, you simply cannot do. Mm-hmm. And yet, that's the kind of thing that's going on yeah, in the world. And uh, yeah, it's 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 really bizarre. Now, is this fertility stuff that you said about the sperm count? Is there is it damages to the DNA? Is it damage? Like there is damage to the DNA, mm-hmm. and and those can can then cause mutations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so there is damage to the DNA, but there are also other things that are going on, which, uh, you know, as I said, you know, when you see changes in the structure of the testis. Of course, the ability to produce sperm is impacted, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and and you can see uh, lowered sperm motility, which is important mm-hmm. in fertility, and and you can see that in these experimental studies that I mentioned. You just take human sperm, and you uh, you expose uh, one part, one you know, one half of it to uh, to uh, say cell phone radiation or Wi-Fi radiation. You get a plummeting of of uh, of, of uh, motility, hmm. and uh, you also get increases in uh, in programmed cell death, what's called apoptosis. So 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 you get you know so some of the sperm die off, and that obviously impacts reproduction. So um, you know there are lots of things going on here, and there are many of them that are extensively documented. And it's frankly bizarre that anyone would say, oh, you know, we don't know anything about this stuff. It's, it's, it's sheer lunacy. Yeah. So let's talk um, then about some, some terms that I guess you hear around a lot. The people who say EMFs, there's no problem with them. They're saying it because it's non-ionized radiation. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between ionized radiation and then non-ionized, for those of us that don't know. Okay. Well, ionizing <laughs> radiation is radiation where, where the individual photons are have high energies such that basically they can knock electrons out of atoms and molecules and produce ions. Okay, so that's where, where why would I ions. see that in the world? Well, I mean, x-rays, gamma rays, okay. uh, you know, high, they, they have to be very high-powered mm-hmm. uh, photons in order to do that, and they do do that, yeah. Um, so non-ionizing radiation cannot do that. They, the, the individual photons don't have enough energy to do it. Um, so you can ask the, the question, well, okay, so how do we get these DNA effects, for example, mm-hmm. which are, you know, chemical changes in the DNA. Um, and uh, so I'm not sure how much detail I should go into here. <laughs> just, give light. just give it light. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, okay, so, so we, have a, we have a target of the EMS, and, uh, and uh, I'll just give you the name. I'm not going to, you know, they're called voltage-gated calcium channels. Okay. And you get high levels of calcium in the cells, and that in turn produces uh, something called peroxynitrite, which is a potent oxidant which breaks down to uh, to release uh, reactive free radicals, and then the free radicals attack the DNA. Hmm. Okay, so 
So the and, and and that's really the same thing that goes on with ionizing radiation. The ionizing radiation produces free radicals, and it's the free radicals that attack the DNA. So the the mechanism at the DNA level is actually very very similar. Hmm. It's just how you get to that mechanism is different. Gotcha. So. What is causing the problem? Is it the calcium then? Because I've heard you on other podcasts and so I've yeah. been talking about the calcium. So let's talk about what, what is it that's actually happening? Like where's the root of this problem kind of starting? Well, what the... Okay, so generally calcium levels inside of cells are about one ten thousandth of the calcium levels outside of cells. And we're not just talking about bone cells here. Everybody we're talking, about, we're talking about any, any kind of cell. Okay. The, cell. the calcium levels in the cells are mm -hmm. very low. And uh, and uh, and so, and and as you might guess by that, it's important to keep them low yeah, under most they circumstances. Be low, it sound like yeah, them. I mean, so what happens is you get too much calcium in the cell, it causes lots of problems, and that's sort of a simple explanation for yep. what's going on with the EMFs. <laughs> um, so specifically, um, what goes on with the EMFs um, is that you get, you get a lot of uh, excessive calcium signaling. So calcium signaling is important in the cell, but you get way too much of it, it causes lots of problems. Hmm. And, and that, so cal excessive calcium signaling is important for producing all the effects, including things we haven't talked about. And, uh, but it's also true that the, the proxy nitride I mentioned and the free radicals are also very important in producing effects. So those are the two main kinds of things that are going on in the cells of our bodies following EMFs that, that, are, that are problematic. Okay. So then, I've heard something, somebody talk much about, I've read something about EMFs in the blood-brain barrier. Is yeah. There, is, what, what's that all about exactly? Well, it's, it's actually, uh, yeah. Um, okay, so let's, so, so the blood-brain barrier is, is basically, uh, the way in which the blood vessel, the blood vessels in the brain are different from the blood vessels in, in the rest of our body. Mm -hmm. And the cells in there are, are, are hooked together with what are called tight junctions. Okay. And so they basically don't let things go in and out of the brain very easily unless there's a specific transport mechanism for moving them into or yeah, out Yeah, because the brain's brain. very selective about what it allows it. Exactly. And this is, so this is a, a, the essential part of that mechanism. So it turns out that those, uh, uh, those uh, tight junctions are disrupted by oxidative stress. And we talked about oxidative stress before. Mm -hmm. And so you get, you get a disruption of them, and that's, that's probably the main mechanism by which you get a breakdown of the blood-brain barrier. Hmm. Okay, and then, so what kind of stuff would happen then? Well, you get, uh, you, get uh, you know, toxic compounds that can come into the brain much more easily. You can also get uh, infectious agents coming in, viruses hmm. and bacteria, for example, can get into the brain more easily. So, you know, so, you know, and so those could be quite important, of course. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so far we've talked then about, uh, we talked about, we started off with the, with the brain, mm -hmm. and then we moved on to fertility. Mm -hmm. We talked about some DNA damage. Mm -hmm. You uh, mentioned EMFs can increase, uh, you said, if it was oxidization. Oxidation. And then yeah. inflammation mm -hmm. in there too? Yes, it is. Anytime you get... Anytime you get oxidative stress, you also get inflammation. Okay. And, uh, and uh, there, there's a, a transcription factor called NF-kappa-V, which regulates 
the uh, most of the uh, in, inflammation in the body, and its levels are raised uh, following EMF exposures, uh, probably through the oxidative stress that, okay. that we talked about before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, what other things are there? Then is there anything I'm missing? Are there any major things that I'm missing so far? I know there's been uh, talk about, for instance, uh, EMFs lowering melatonin. Yep. You hear a lot about mm -hmm. blue light with melatonin mm -hmm. and light times, but now you find out that even if you got your blue light, say glasses on, but you mm -hmm. got your Wi-Fi on, yeah. is there some? Is there something to that too? Yes, there is. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, yeah, the EMFs do lower melatonin. Hmm. They also impact quite a number of other hormone systems, and uh, in fact, I don't know of any hormone system in the body that's not impacted. But uh, really? yeah, they're they're all impacted. It, you know how they're impacted is is varies to some extent but one of the ways in which uh, in which they're commonly impacted is that the these these channels that, that I talked about before mm -hmm. and the and the intracellular calcium have roles in the release of many of the hormones in the body and also of all of the neurotransmitters mm -hmm. so you have you have huge effects on the nervous system as you'd expect but you mm -hmm. also have large effects on many of the hormone systems. Not all of them, but many of them through that, through that pathway. Mm -hmm. um, there's at least one or two other pathways that can be involved yeah. as well. So, <laughs> so yeah. mm -hmm. let me ask you a question then. If all this is happening, how come this isn't, why isn't there more news about this? Why is this not on the six o'clock news? Why isn't this on the cover of like, you know, a Time Health Issue magazine? Like what's going on? Well, um, because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot going on. Yeah, let me. You, you let say me, there's let a lot me, of studies yeah, on it. Yeah, right, studies. right. You know, let me, let me, let me just say something. Uh, you know, there, there are. I, I can I have a list of 42 different statements mm -hmm. that have been written by scientists and and or physicians who are working in this area. Each of them expressing high level concern mm -hmm. about the safety guidelines and the fact that they ignore all of the non-thermal effects and yet why don't you see anything in the news media about these things yeah. you know i mean they've gone over and over and over again <laughs> you know why are the news media not covering covering these things i mean mm -hmm. uh there was a uh or there is a petition on uh opposing uh wi-fi on earth and in space that's been signed by i believe over a hundred thousand people Okay. Now those are not all scientists. These include lay people as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, but you know that there is very high level concern, but you don't read about it for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. In Germany, they had a, a petition about five G, just just limited to Germany. That uh, at least I don't know a couple of weeks ago they had fifty four thousand signatures on this. That they wanted the Bundestag, the the German Parliament, to consider this issue mm -hmm. seriously. Um, so, so there is a huge amount of concern and there's a huge amount of science in this. Hmm. Uh, let me just say, the science, the good science is coming out, is mostly coming out in other countries, not in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, in, not in Canada, apparently. Well, Canada, <laughs> Canada had Magda Havas, who was doing good work, mm -hmm. but she is now tragically retired. And uh, you know, but she she's really she was really the outstanding person in Canada. Uh, there's nothing you know. There, there's no you know. So you you can't get money to do experimental work or epidemiological work in the U.S. 
The same thing is true in the UK. The same thing is true in Australia and New Zealand. I mean, the English-speaking world is almost nowhere in this. Yeah. It's really quite stunning. And maybe I, maybe I should. We're maybe, also the ones in the worst health, which is the ironic. Well, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not sure I'd go quite that far, but but you know, but but it's it's um, you know it, it it really and and you know so there has been a corruption of the science, mm -hmm. and uh, and and one doesn't always know exactly how it occurs, but in the in the U.S. Uh, the funding public funding for research in this area dried up basically between 1986 and 1999 mm -hmm. and I only know of one I only know of two studies that snuck through yeah I only know of two studies that have snuck through on that but um, you know it's uh, it, it's just outrageous what's going on here mm -hmm. I mean it really is um, well, I suppose there's more money to be made in proving they're not bad than they are bad there's really no money to be made improving the armament. Well, <laughs> you're not going to sell cell not, phones. Not, 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 if, not if you're, yeah, not if you're the telecom industry. That's true, <laughs> but you know the, the impacts on our health already are, are horrendous, and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know I'm horribly concerned about 5G because. Then let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. There seems to be. 5G kind of popped up, I guess, like at least on you know the radar from what I understand. I mean, sure, it's been around for a while, but you know, about a year mm -hmm. and a half ago, two years ago, mm -hmm. is where you started hearing about 5G, mm -hmm. and that you've heard a lot more. And now this is apparently now you'll even read things that say even the scientists who are skeptical about Wi-Fi are, are worried a little bit about 5G. Why, why is 5G so much more terrifying than 4G or 3G or LTE, whatever we got now? Well, I you know I can. I, you know, what I prefer to do is, is sort of speak for myself on mm -hmm. this rather than to generalize to scientists. Um, I, okay, so, and, and let me just say, the feedback I've gotten on 4G is, it itself is quite dangerous. Okay. Uh, much more dangerous than 3G, which was more dangerous than 2G. Um, and so, you know, that, you know, I'm not saying 4G is not a major concern, I think it is. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, one of the key issues here is the issue of pulsation. I was just going to ask you about the pulse thing. And, and so, you know, so when we're talking here about wireless communication, and the way in which these wireless communication devices Transmit information is via pulsation. So the you know the, yeah, the intensity like the intensities go you know go all over the place mm -hmm. and uh, and and they and so you can get pulsations in the uh, and so for example three G radiation has high level pulsations in the uh, millisecond range. So okay. that's between one millisecond and one microsecond. So you know uh, it's a range and then and then also in the, uh, I'm sorry, am I saying this right? No, that's okay. Millisecond range, just between, you know, it's, it's around one millisecond. Um, the, and then also in the microsecond range, so those are much faster. Mm -hmm. um, so you have a lot of radio, you have a lot of pulses in, in both of those ranges okay. in 3G radiation. I don't know what the situation is with 4G exactly, but it is designed, again, to be much more highly pulsed, to carry a lot more information. 5G is, de is designed to be extraordinarily highly pulsed, so that you can, uh, you can transmit just incredible amounts of information in a second, or maybe even a tiny fraction of a second. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so when, you know, 
So the pulsation issue is very important and is very well documented. We know that pulsed EMFs are in most cases much more biologically active and therefore much more dangerous than our non-pulsed EMFs of the same average intensities. Okay. But the safety guidelines are based entirely just on average intensities. They completely ignore the role of pulsation. Hmm. And what's interesting about this is that back in the 1980s, there were three countries in the world that recognized that pulsation was important and actually had more stringent guidelines for pulsed EMFs as opposed to non-pulsed EMFs. You know what the first country in the world was that had that? I cannot guess. Canada. Oh, okay. Canada was the first country in the world that had that. Hmm. And the U.S. was the second, and for whatever reason, Czechoslovakia was the third. It never <laughs> went past those three countries, as far right. as I can tell. But, you know, but the point is, you know, so Canada recognized... So they were, were early to recognize. Yeah, they were the first people that really recognized... You know, the, the first review that was published on pulsation was published back in 1965. So, you know, there was a lot of data on it quite early mm -hmm. on the importance of pulsation. And Canada recognized it, and so Canada was smart now. And now, and now today, Health Canada doesn't recognize so they anything. Just, they just turn their back on their. Own. I mean, it's just it's just bizarre, you know. Mm. It really, it's really, uh, you know, it is absolutely bizarre. Um, so, you know, my concern is that, you know, with regard to five G, mm. is that you know what they are doing is pushing tens of millions of these antennae out in close proximity to all of our homes schools, hospitals, businesses, etc., such that, you know, such that it's, it's essentially impossible to avoid these exposures mm -hmm. and uh, without doing one single biological safety test of genuine 5G radiation with all of, all of the pulsations that it will entail. Mm -hmm. To me, that's a, an atrocity that simply, you know, I, I mean, this simply cannot cannot occur. That's your absolutely insane. Yeah, I said that. I said that. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Yes, absolutely. you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I guess they argue, though, I guess the 4G, the 5G, I guess what they argue from from their point of view is that they have these big, safe 4G cell towers that send out this massive signal that's very strong, so it can shoot across kilometers. Mm -hmm. And they argue their thing is, well, now we got these 5G things that are small, and they don't send out these massive signals, and the signal's so small. I guess what you're saying though is, but on the other side, what they're not talking about is the fact you need one like every hundred, like 150 meters. <laughs> like you need them all. Well, you the need place. them all. Yeah, yeah, they're very close. Yeah. So uh, let, let me let me tell you let me tell you a little story uh, about one thing that's happened in the U.S. And I'm not completely clear that the I believe these are most of them are 4G antennae, and and then there's at least one 5G antennae. This was at the Santa Anita Racetrack okay. in Southern California. They have had 29 different racehorses die wow. on the track since last December 26th, I believe it is. So, 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 so in six months, basically. Yeah. 20, right. 29? 29, 29, 29 different horses have died. Huh. Um, the majority of them have died from apparent card, a sudden cardiac death. 
Okay. And so, and so this is one of the things that's that's made me much more concerned about the cardiac effects. Now, was there a time? Was it like a five G went in there, and then this sort of happened? Like, with the I don't have the timing like, no. of. I don't have. I don't have enough information about when those mm -hmm. antennae went up and and what it what it is. What we know is that there are uh, something like two dozen antennae sitting in the middle of this racetrack. Most of them are owned by the company that's actually running the racetrack, and so mm -hmm. they're getting they're getting money for for these things, and uh, so you know so the question is and, and, and so it's interesting because the the, the racehorses you know, as I said they died of sudden cardiac death and we know there there are cardiac effects in humans and yeah, in animals cardiac effects with these yeah. as well you think yeah there are and and they they involve the electrical control of the heart. Uh, and sense, and uh, and uh, and so uh, you know, and so among the effects that you get are arrhythmias and bradycardia. You also get tachycardia. So bradycardia is slow heartbeat, mm -hmm. and tachycardia is fast heartbeat. You actually get both under different circumstances from EMF exposures, and. The, the bradycardia and the, and the arrhythmias are particularly strongly associated with sudden cardiac death. Mm -hmm. so, so we have reason to think that, you know, the sudden cardiac death, and, and there, in fact, there, there have been rodent studies that show you can cause sudden cardiac death in rodents uh, with uh, actually millimeter wave uh, frequencies. Is that because of the... the the, the calcium or the, the, the magnesium, like the signals? The I, I believe signals it is, yeah. yeah, I believe it is. And, and so what's true is that in the heart there are uh, pacemaker cells. So this is the mm -hmm. biological pacemaker, the normal pacemaker in the heart. Mm -hmm. They occur in a particular part of the heart called the sinoatrial node. And, uh, and they have very high densities of these uh, voltage-gated calcium channels, the targets of the, of the EMFs. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think, you know, I don't think there's any mystery about this. There, it's, it's a direct effect on these cells and, uh, and, and you then get aberrations in the electrical control of the heart as a consequence of that. Mm. And so uh, <clears throat> in, in any case, you know, so we do have all these racehorses that, um, that uh, that died of sudden cardiac death, but you also have a bunch of racehorses that have died uh, of massive bone breakage. Oh, okay. And, and and so this is another <clears throat> another thing that's very interesting here, uh, because so you know so you know when I look at that, of course, I look at my mechanism. I ask, well, how can it produce that? Well, mm -hmm. when you activate these channels, you get lots of calcium flowing into the cell. And what happens is that the extracellular calcium levels drop. Okay. okay, now what happens in the body when extracellular calcium levels drop? What happens is that the body secretes a hormone. Uh, it's called uh, parathyroid hormone. So this mm -hmm. is not thyroid, it's parathyroid. It's mm -hmm. a different one. And what the parathyroid hormone does is it pulls, pulls calcium out of the bones in order to restore the calcium levels in the extracellular fluid. So, um, so now, if you just do that once or twice, it's probably not a problem. Mm -hmm. But if you do it repeatedly, guys, yeah, I mm -hmm. mean, particularly if the horses are going into in and out of very high uh, not to mention the in, intensity yeah. fields, you know, you can, you can get you know real uh, massive changes 
uh, you know, lowered bone strength. And of course, racehorses put huge stresses on their bones. Hmm. So, I, you know, when you look at these things and you look at what we know about the biology, it all makes great sense. You know? yeah. and, and so... Uh, <clears throat> well, let me yeah. ask you then, mm -hmm. let me ask you about this then. Mm -hmm. Let's go from big old horses yeah. to very little children. Okay. Because it seems to me if this if this can happen, you know, if yeah. this is happening to big horses, you know, right. then, yeah. then what about kids? Because I, I hear a lot, like, the kids, we have to be extra worried about the kids. So what, why is that? Like, let's talk about kids. Okay. Well, there are four mechanisms, I think, that makes uh, young children much more sensitive to the EMFs. Okay. The one that's been talked about the most is that uh, kids have much higher surface-to-volume ratios, and particularly they have thinner skulls, mm -hmm. so that the brains are more are more exposed, but also many other things in their bodies are more exposed. So mm -hmm. that's that's number one. Um, and uh, but that's not the only thing that's going on here. Uh, the uh, the uh, children have very high densities of stem cells. And it turns out, you know, there, there are large differences in the effects of the EMFs in different cell types. And stem cells seem to be very, very sensitive to the EMFs. And so because children have very high densities of these stem cells, they're going to be, you know, inevitably much more affected. Mm -hmm. So that's the second thing. Third thing has to do with the effect of the EMFs on the developing brain which is really very important and I believe it's a it's a critically important thing with regard to the autism epidemic and also the ADHD epidemic mm -hmm. both of which uh, can be can be linked to EMFs uh, from different types of studies um, the uh, and and uh, and the fourth thing is something that Dr. Deborah Davis has talked about a lot and that is that uh, the the tissues in young children have more extracellular water content and therefore mm -hmm. the effects of the EMFs can penetrate better into those Is tissues. Is it more conductive? Like well, yeah, sort of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sort of, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, uh, so, and so those four things are of special concern with, with, with regard to children. Hmm. And, and so, you know, so we think that you know, I mean, many people have argued we should not have Wi-Fi in schools. We should not have cell phone towers on schools. Mm -hmm. um, now, the UK know. recently did a study where the health organization said Wi-Fi is okay in schools, but it's probably not a good idea. What you know, what they do when they do these studies is they say, okay, we've got these safety guidelines, and they ask, you know, do they do they comply with our safety guidelines? Mm -hmm. And then they say, okay, it complies with our safety guidelines. We don't need to worry about it. The problem is the safety guidelines are completely bogus. Safety guidelines. Well. They do not work. <laughs> and in mm -hmm. fact, when I talk, you know, on this tour, I'm talking a lot about how every time you have a real large amount of data that can be used to test the safety guidelines, the safety guidelines fail, and they fail in most cases massively. So, you know, what we have here uh, is that, you know, all of, the, all of the claims of safety, and we have this multi-trillion dollar industry, mm -hmm. and all of their claims of safety, which are based on these safety guidelines, are, are, are simply fraudulent. Mm -hmm. they, the, you know, the, the, when you look at the, at the actual science, you find the safety guidelines simply do not work. And, and, uh, 
you know, the same thing is true whether you're looking at Canada Safety Code 6 or the USFCC or the EU or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, they all are, are, are deeply, deeply flawed and they really have no, you know, they, they, and, 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 and let me just say, you know, this goes to the real core of the scientific method here mm -hmm. because, you know, in science you have a theory and what do you do? You ask what predictions does the theory make and then you go and test whether those predictions are valid or not. Mm -hmm. And if the predictions are not valid, then you throw the theory out. We've got these safety guidelines, we've got huge amounts of data which shows that when you test them, they fall, they, they, they are, are, you know, they fall on your face and yet we still have, you know, organizations saying, oh, you know, it's within our safety guidelines, we don't need to worry about it. Hmm. Well, let me ask you this then. So, yeah. it seems then that the government regulations are slack, if almost non-existent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're, mm -hmm. Obviously, they're existent, but they're pretty slack. Yeah. So then... It seems to me that there's basically we have to start looking at protecting ourselves. So mm -hmm. I guess one way is obviously trying, you know, signing petitions to not have 5G and stuff like that. That's yeah. a political one. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But that's going to be a very uphill battle, I would imagine. What can we do on our? We'll, we'll wrap it up with what can we do because I don't want to be all gloom and doom. For everybody. Yeah. So what can we do at our like maybe today or at, you know obviously not of the kids of the iPad. That's one. But what can we start doing to, you know minimize, you know, in our homes at least, in our lives. Yeah. Well, you know, there are things that we can do as individuals and as families, and then there are other things that we can do as, uh, as, as you know, larger groups. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and, and they're all important. So, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, for example, um, you know, we know, for instance, that, uh, that, Corded phones are better than cordless phones. Okay. So if you're gonna if you're gonna talk on a landline, <laughs> corded phones. <laughs> well, I don't know. You could probably you can probably buy them in a thrift shop by <laughs> selling your game away. You yeah, know. So, so, so uh, cordless phones. Are yeah. Cordless. Yeah. Okay. And, and 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 let me say, cordless phones really are, are kind of crazy too because uh, the bases on them irradiate 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They only have to irradiate when they're on when mm -hmm. you're using them. So they're very poorly designed, and they're typically designed to be, you know, be usable from, you know, a hundred to several hundred feet away from the base. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but you know, most of the time you don't need them. Yep. If if you it, so you could cut down the radiation from the phone by a factor of a hundred under most circumstances. So why are we doing this? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. You know, so uh, so that's one thing. You know, the the you know Wi-Fi we don't need. Mm -hmm. We can do everything wired. It's a little less convenient. Mm -hmm. It works a lot better. It's much faster, and and it, and it doesn't impact our health. So you know, we should not have Wi-Fi anywhere really. Uh, and 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 uh, you know, in addition to that, there you know there 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 are vastly better ways to do things, even if you want to do them wirelessly, than what we're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, people have talked about using infrared or visible light for the things like that. Hmm. So so you know, so there are lots of things that can be done. The problem is, you know, we need to demand that those things are going up. And, uh, and so I guess uh, we could yeah. reach out to the government. I guess the municipal or well, yeah, 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 absolutely. Hmm. So what do we start, what, what, what is it I could ask the government to start changing? Is there anything, I, is there any 
term or anything I can use? Is there any regulation I can ask them? Well, I think safety code six should be actually something closer to a real safety code. It's okay. horribly far away and from anything like that. And that's the Canadian safety. That's the Canadian. Say, yeah, that's okay. that's Canada's. And I, you know, I actually wrote a critique of of safety code six back in 2015 um, that was published, and you know, uh, never got a response from. Yeah, yeah. and it's. Um, uh, Anyway, yeah, it, <laughs> it, 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 and, and you know, and, and there was an article uh, published by the Harvard Safra Institute for Ethics uh, showing that the U.S. FCC is a captured agency. I mean, I think we've got captured agencies all over the place, hmm. and that's uh, that's the basic problem we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our health is, you know, is literally being destroyed as a consequence of that yeah well where can people find more out about because I mean we could go on forever I know we got to wrap it up yeah but right. where, where can people find more information where can they find your study you have a website or? I don't have a website I've okay. got uh, there there are a whole bunch of YouTube videos where I've been yeah uh, I watched a few of those <laughs> interviewed on this um, I have I have uh, in you know um, a number of my published papers are in the PubMed database, and, and uh, five of them I think you can download for free off of it. Okay. So you can download it full text, so people can get a hold of my papers. So I, I've been told that we can get information on CETH.ca, and that has to do with this particular uh, talk series of talks. It has a bunch of resources there. Yeah. For all citizens, including your papers. So lots of resources. Okay. There. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Okay. And then I guess I'll ask you the last three really fast questions. These are just yes and no questions. Okay. Do you own a cell phone? No. Do you own a microwave? Yes. Well, that's interesting because that's because when I talked to the building well, he doesn't own a microwave. That's okay. Interesting. Okay. I use my microwave, but only with a lot of shielding around it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like with shielding, in what way do you wear like a vest or something? For no, that? I have I have shielding around it. Oh, you have shielding around it. Such okay. that I can, I, I mean, I I can basically turn it on, close the door, work in the kitchen, and get essentially no radiation at all from it. And I know that okay. because I have a meter, so I can measure it. Gotcha. So yeah. And home internet? Do you use a landline, Wi-Fi, or no internet? I well, I have I use. Uh, I, I use well. It's not a landline. I use a corded. I, I use uh, you know wired connection. Yeah, the wired. Connection. Yeah, I use a wired connection, and that's all I use. And in fact, you know, I use a wired keyboard. I use a wired mouse. My printer is wired, so I have a minimum amount of, of wireless radiation. Okay, so not even so even Bluetooth. We're not no Bluetooth. The only the only thing. The only wireless thing I use regularly is my garage door opener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to thank you for taking the time. It was really great. Yeah. I uh, really enjoyed it. And we, like I said, we'll put the, uh, I'll also put all those uh, links in the bottom below. I'll put a couple of your YouTubes in the, in the notes along with the CETH.ca. So great. you can go there and check out all your resources. Okay. Well, yeah, this is a really important message. And I'd really like to thank you for putting it out there because we do need more people putting it out there. My pleasure. Thanks my a lot. pleasure. I, I appreciate what you're doing. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm.